Hi everybody, I'm David Bach and I want to welcome you back to Bach Talk. This is a very special Bach Talk because first of all, we're shooting in these gorgeous studios at thestreet.com right now. And I have a very special guest with me, David Canner. David, thank you so much for being here. Good to see you again, buddy. It's good to see you, too. Thanks for having me on the show. Well, I'm, this is really cool. I appreciate you coming to New York to do this, too, by the way. So for, for those who don't... Do anything for you. So New York is easy. <laughs> for those who don't know who the legend David Cantor is, um, let me give you the legendary bio. First of all, he, you are the head of the RIA space at this little firm called Fidelity. So like, you're like a big deal. So this is, this is like a big deal having David here. So thank you. Well, listen, you know, I appreciate your, your, your uh, being so laudatory, but, you know, try to stay humble. So thank, thanks for having me. Okay, but so for, for a moment, seriously, like, pump your chest. Like, for, for those who don't maybe know at this exact moment in time how big Fidelity is, because I was just with you in Boston, and I still get blown away by the numbers. Tell everybody the size and scale of Fidelity right now. Well, Fidelity is a large uh, diversified financial services company. We have, uh, as of I think the end of August, about $6.4 trillion in assets across four main channels. Our uh, retirement business, known as workplace investing, uh, our personal investing business, which comprises our branches and our individual investor-facing business, uh, you know, also our asset management business, uh, which you know many people uh, associate with Fidelity. Right. And then finally, the business I'm part of, the, the uh, Fidelity institutional businesses, which have a whole host of intermediary businesses, but near and dear to my heart is the RIA space. So $6.4 trillion, how big is the RIA space? Give us some context on that. Because what you're about to hear is, is David's insights on what they're seeing in the marketplace for RIAs. And that's really why I'm so happy to have you here today because our advisors want to know basically how to grow their business and how to serve their clients better. And you've got a very unique perspective on that. So how many RIAs are in the Fidelity channel? Yeah, so we serve uh, about 3,000 RIAs. And by RIAs, I mean individual advisory firms, which can comprise several advisors per firm. And how much roughly in assets is that? Yeah, so the way we uh, count it is we include all of our clearing and custody businesses. So we have a business that serves independent banks and broker-dealers, correspondent clearing, as well as the RAAs. But what I can tell you is the RAA segment is growing um, faster than the other segments. So we just got back from being with you in Boston, and you just, I guess, put us into the national accounts category, which we were very excited to hear about. We've only been with you guys now um, for 16 months. So what does that mean for AA Wealth Management to be a, a national account? And also, how will that impact our advisors? Because at least half the people who will watch this are, are using Fidelity as their custodian. Sure. Well, you know what we're seeing now, David, and I shared this with you up in Boston, is the emergence of true national advisory firms. So independent advisory firms that truly have a national footprint, uh, diverse geography, multiple offices, many, many advisors, and by our count, not that size is necessarily the only dimension, but there's 621 RAA firms that have more than a billion dollars in assets. Okay. But think about that. Uh, that's on a base of uh, over 12,000 SEC-registered firms, and then there are, of course, the state firms. So we believe that the bigger firms are more likely to have the scale have the training, have resources like that you bring to the table, David, that are going to really propel growth uh, and sustainability going forward. Well, we're super excited to be a part of the partnership with you and and have the chance to work with your national accounts team. I mean, you, you guys are already wrapping your arms around us, so we're super excited. What I want to talk about today is 
so how Dave and I first met is you came and spoke to my study group, Catalyst, here yep. six months ago. And I thought your presentation was so good on the RA industry that I was immediately like, we have to get you to do this for our advisors. So I would love to have you talk about what you see as you know, the state of the union of the RIA space. Sure. Well, I, you know, thanks again for all the compliments. Uh, and you know, I'm an admirer of your work, too, but we can save that for uh, you know, maybe the end. Uh, look, I see what, what's going on here is what I call the RIAization of America. There's secular growth toward um, fee-based or fee-only fiduciary models, and that's what RAAs are. And, you know, I think it's driven by three things. One, consumers are looking for it. They're looking for objectivity. They're looking for advisors to help them uh, navigate all the financial and other choices that are out there. Uh, The third thing is that the advisors themselves are looking for that uh, flexibility, uh, not to be sort of put inside a box, as I like to say. And then finally, uh, they're looking for something that they can uh, represent growth for themselves, their families, and of course, their clients. Uh, so we can talk about what I think are some of the, the characteristics of, right. of, of these firms. That's what I want to hear you talk about. I mean, you, you, you did, I mean, these weren't your words, but in a way, the moment you started speaking, I kind of heard this get big fast or go home thought process, like with the mergers and the acquisitions and as people are scaling, um, the business is getting tougher for smaller advisors. So walk us through your, the, you know, your, your main things that you're seeing. Advise, the, the, the firms that are growing that are doing well, what are they doing? Sure. I'll give you my four by four. Perfect. Um, and you'll understand what I mean by four by four quick, quickly. One, I think every firm, every advisory firm, almost any business, you really need to be clear, what is your target market? Um, and it can't just be we serve high net worth or ultra high net worth individuals. You have to be clear and crisp of what is your target market. Do you have a specialization, for example? And then once you go past that, what are your capabilities? You don't want to go and try to serve uh, Canadian um, snowbirds who have cross-border tax treaty issues if you've never you know, worked on those matters before. But are you clear in your capabilities? And increasingly, and I'll come back to this, it is being planning-led. You can't just you know, be investment-based. Uh, it has to be more comprehensive in terms of your, your proposition. Third, do you have um, uh, an organizational structure that will help you serve these target markets and with these capabilities? And then fourth, do you have the infrastructure? That's what we find. Many firms you know, have two out of the three, but they may not have that organizational structure and the infrastructure. And the infrastructure can include technology. It can include um, uh, you know, expertise in areas such as compliance or finance or marketing mm-hmm. um, or a whole host of other things that are really tantamount to how you run your business. So I said four by four, you have to be clear on what your unfair advantage is. What makes your business... Um, so bespoke, so customized that it can't be replicated or commoditized. And that's something I challenge everybody to figure out. Um, Now, beyond that, there are another four, but let me pause for a moment uh, and just make make sure you want me to keep going. No, I want you to keep going. I I also love that you talk about unfair advantage. And and obviously, with the bigger advisors, you're seeing their unfair advantage. So keep going, because I think this is really important for our advisors to hear. Sure. Well, you know, back to what I was saying earlier, we're seeing it much more important to be planning-led. Investments are increasingly becoming, I don't want to say commoditized, but capable of replication. So what other elements are you providing as part of your proposition? Getting back to specialization, you know, we have one advisory firm that we work with. 
they are so in-depth with one company and their benefits plans, mm-hmm. um, their um, stock option plans. Uh, they even help their companies, employees, their executives when they have to go work overseas. They have services that can help with these expat services. Um, you know, they work with a particular company based out of Atlanta that you know deals in the soft drink markets, for example. Coca-Cola. Uh, <laughs> I didn't say that, but there are other soft drink companies there. <laughs> right. There. Um, you know, the the other part is I think you have to be omni-channel. There's this there's this debate that I read oftentimes, or I get into conversations. Do you have to be technology driven, and you deliver all your advice and your services via technology, or is it the human human style? It has to be both, because let's face it, as I like to say, today's investors, they don't need a lot, but they need a little a lot. And what that means is they want it when they want it, and they don't need sort of one big buildup. It has to be collaborative. Um, the third thing, and you mentioned it already, David, is scale. And that's what a lot of these smaller firms don't have. I've met you know, scores, hundreds, thousands of, of firms that focus on growth, but not all focus on growth with profitability and the ability to scale it. Many firms I've talked to say, well, you know, every time I grow, get 10 new clients, I have to hire X number of advisors. But I think in the future, we're going to have a different model around capacity. And how do you serve more and more clients, um, you know, without having to hire up um, on an exponential basis? I think technology is going to have a big role there. So let me follow up on that part right now specifically because I think we're seeing that with our advisors, right? A lot of our advisors are scaling. They're growing the top line, but they're also noticing that their bottom line is not necessarily growing. Do you, as we go forward, one, do you believe that the average advisor is going to have to serve more clients? And, and what do you think that the average advisor is going to need to do in an effort to serve more clients? I, I think that the average advisor is going to have to serve more clients, yes. And what that magic number is, we don't know yet. Uh, but you're going to have to be more thoughtful about the manner in which you serve them. So for years, we've talked about segmentation. Yep. And you segment your clients in a particular fashion. More and more, we're seeing the best advisors segment their particular advisors. So you have a team, and you have a particular advisor that works on perhaps maybe your less complicated planning cases. And then as you go up the scale, you need more expertise. As I like to say, being a good advisor, you need three things. You need that technical expertise and training, but you need two things that, that really come beyond the technical expertise. It's the judgment and the experience, and those things only are accomplished through time, training, and mentorship. So you're seeing, as you look at this, again, the 3,000 RIAs, the, the RIAs that are growing at a, at a fast rate, you're seeing them not just diagram their book of you will buy clients, but they're actually diagramming them based on the advisor. That's right. Some so of the better advisors are doing that. So let me go back to um, planning, yeah. right? Because we're huge proponents of planning. We think everything should begin with a plan for the client. Um, we're really crusading for our advisor to be a planning-led advisor. Um, but what does that mean? When, you, when, you, when, you, when you're out there with 3,000 RIAs and they're not all doing planning, which to me is mind-boggling, right? Because when you talk about this, I've spent my entire career being planning-focused. What, is it, what are you seeing the best advisors do from a planning standpoint? The best advisors are really starting with a series of conversations that I think get to what a particular client, and and by the way, client will include the household. Mm -hmm. Let's start with who the client is, which is very important, by the way. 
Um, because I think being a good planner, you have to know the whole mosaic of the family or you know, the, the relatives of this particular individual. Um, but understanding their goals. And we're seeing that the best planning starts with goal planning around life's goals, not just around finances. Now, all of that can then be embodied within a financial plan uh, that is um, you know, represented by some kind of software. Uh, but, but it has to be, as I was saying earlier, it can't just be a fixed point in time exercise. It has to be organic. It has to be collaborative. And it has to be capable of multiple variables uh, so you can sort of pick and play with it. And it's, it's ongoing. I, I mean, they, I always say the problem for so many people who create plans is they take those plans, and once the client's been brought on, that plan sits in a file. Yep. Whereas the best planners, that, that plan is front and center with every conversation with the client. Exactly. Um, you talk about peace of mind because as I look at some of your notes here, you know the best advisors are measuring against tangible goals, and then peace of mind. Let's talk about peace of mind for those who are going, who are getting older, right? Um, we have a lot of advisors with older clients, and I know you happen to be out right now talking about Generation X and millennials. Um, and obviously, a lot of a lot of wealth is going to transition to this generation. Uh, there's a real fear in our industry that the advisor is not going to keep these clients, that we're going to lose them, that we're going to lose them to a robo-advisor, we're going to lose them to a lower-cost solution. What is Fidelity telling the RIA space that, that advisors need to be doing to keep the next generation? I shouldn't even use the word keep. Make sure that they have any opportunity at all to be with the next generation then keep them. What, 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 are you rec- what are you seeing, what are you recommending, and who's doing it right? You know, I, I think that uh, it does, part of the answer does come back to planning, mm-hmm. but let me tell you uh, two things. One, engagement, engagement, and engagement. I guess that's three things. Um, and it's engaging with, uh, let's say, your baby boomer clients, and you know, you know, baby boomers, that starts at age 52, uh, you know, goes all the way up, you know, up to approximately age 70. So, um, you know, engage with them, and if you haven't developed relations with the relationships with their children or even perhaps their grandchildren, it's not too late. It's not too late. As a matter of fact, 49% of Gen X and Gen Y uh, millionaires uh, said they'd be open to a recommendation from their parents or speaking to their parents' advisors. That's almost half. The other thing is the uh, Gen X and Gen Y can be a great doorway into their parents. You know, I've had many examples of uh, advisors who've gotten clients from, um, you know, the children of these baby boomers. So that's why I say engagement. Uh, and, and it does come back to planning. The more you know about a family, the more you know about this household, uh, the better chance you have to engage. And, you know, there are other things that we've seen firms do, advisory councils that have been, you know, specific to a particular generation. Um, we've seen other mechanisms such as feedback surveys that can, you know, understand how well a client likes the proposition. But there's nothing like that engagement, David. Wait, so I just I want to drill down when you say engagement, engagement, engagement. Does that mean I get the fact that I'm engaging with you as my client, but does that also mean that I need to be engaging with the client's children? Like, are you, are, or is that what you mean? Or yep. so, yep. so in other words, if I'm an advisor and I'm not seeing my client's kids face to face, engaging with them, then I have a problem. Yeah. Potentially, it doesn't always have to be face to face, but you really need to, you know, at least provide that opening because our studies have shown that you can't wait until, you know, 
a baby boomer or a silver or a mature generation, you can't wait till it's too late. Um, these, these relationships will, also, will often transition. Another statistic is um, if you don't engage with the, the, the spouse, the surviving spouse, whether it's a male or female, um, you know, it's unlikely that those assets will be retained by the advisor. So you have to have that relationship. Because after all, you know, beyond these, the four-by-four four characteristics I share with you, this is a relationship business, one of trust. Well, you, you went exactly where I wanted to go to because I wanted to talk about women and advisors working with their women clients. Um, before I go to that, though, I just want to go, I want to ask a couple more questions about Generation XY. Um, technology, you know, as, as it's going to be another major, as it is the touch point for, for the younger generation, it's also a, becoming the touch point for baby boomers, right? So one of the questions that I guess advisors are asking more and more, um, do I really have the ability to keep that younger client who's only online and won't meet with you face-to-face? Fidelity is doing a lot of things online. If you were looking at the average RIA right now, you know, the, the, RIA, the RIA who's got $50 to $100 million, who's really working one-on-one with clients, is there anything that you're telling them to do besides engagement, engagement, engagement? Like, should they be doing seminars for the next generation? Would you be telling these advisors they should bring them into the office? And anything else you want to, that you guys are recommending right now? Well, you know, all of those can be, um, you know, successful strategies if deployed in the right fashion. But, you know, let me go to technology because we do believe that, you know, back to my point around omnichannel, yep. the technology is going to power the advisors of the future. And it's so important. Uh, and because this next generation is looking for technology, y- you have to have it. Um, and it can be in the form of a portal where you can look at all of your assets in an aggregated fashion. There's various financial planning and other software sure. that lets you do that. Um, or it can be in the form of even as simple as having you know, your, a firm's website where you can look at all this. It can be online chat. But what I will tell you is uh, you know, this next generation, Generation XY, they've said that they would think seriously about leaving their advisor if they didn't have a strong technology uh, platform and a strong technology proposition. Um, you know, technology is also a great way for in- investors to do due diligence on their advisor. Right. But what I will tell you is, as you go up the, um, uh, the value sphere, if you will, and you go up the advice curve, our study showed that, you know, I think it was um, 58% of all Gen X, Gen Y uh, millionaires work with an advisor. And 60%. Yeah, about 60%. And as a matter of fact, DECA millionaires, those with 10 million or more, it was, you know, above 90%. So... Um, those who have money are working with somebody and giving, getting advice. You know, the, the more complex, the more assets you have, it's yeah. likely, you know, you need advice. Who do you want sitting across the table from you when you, you know, have these complex issues? So let's talk about female clients, the women, the women clients. Because, as you know, I started off with, with building my book of business around women investors. Um, my whole career, as you heard me talking in the green room, yeah. my whole career started with Smart Women Finish Rich. I, every time I'm, I'm on stage in front of our advisors, I say... If you're not talking to the women clients, you're going to lose these women clients. You need to be talking to them as much or more than your men clients. What does Fidelity see out there? Well, I'll tell you, it's evident right from our uh, Millionaire Outlook study. Um, About uh, 
31% or close to a third of all um, Gen X, Gen Y millionaires are female. Um, and that's a market uptick. So this next generation of, of wealth, millionaires uh, and, and otherwise, is increasingly more um, female mm-hmm. and more ethnically diverse. I think 17% of uh, the millionaires in our Gen X, Gen Y co- cohort are uh, uh, non-Caucasian. So I'll tell you, you have to pay attention. And look, we've done some work at Fidelity around the wealth transfer. And I think by two or three years from now, by 2020, uh, most of the wealth in this country is actually going to be controlled by women. So, you know, David, you were early. You were early and you were right. Um, so, you know, we're, we've done a lot of work around it. Um, so you guys have also talked a lot about the specific levels of risk of losing your clients if you don't have a relationship with, with the women. I've, I've, seen, I've seen numbers as high as 70%, that, that there are expectations that 70% of women will leave their advisor within less than a year if they don't have a direct relationship with the advisor. That's right. That's right. You know, you know somewhere between two-thirds and 70% will. Uh, and it gets back to that point around engagement. Um, you know, it, it can't start when it's too late. And, you know, you're not going to know when it's too late, but once this client isn't working with you anymore, well, then it's too late. You're not going to know when it's too late. Um, we're, we're doing a lot of seminars right now. That, well, not right now. Our advisors, for the most part, who will watch this, have built their business doing seminar financial education seminars. Uh, and we're rolling out Smart Couples Finish Rich. Smart Couples Smart Retirement based on Smart Couples Finish Rich is one of our seminar programs. We're also rolling out a program for, for women in money right now called Smart Women Finish Rich. Um, do you see a lot of advisors in the Fidelity system? I'm, I'm curious, teaching seminars? You know, quite frankly, we see some. We see some that may have a radio show, mm-hmm. uh, fewer, fewer still that have TV or podcasts. Yep. Uh, but I'm surprised by how, by how few there are. And I think um, they're a great way to reach existing clients and prospects. Um, you know, so I commend you. Because I think uh, it's, it's like my dad used to say, good study never went to waste. <laughs> and education is a form of study. So I, I, I think that you know, the firms that we see who are successful at growing generally tend to do more outreach. More marketing. Yes, Yes, that's something most advisors are, you know, quite frankly, it's not second nature to them. Yeah, I mean, we always say, most advisors always say their primary way of growing their business is they get referrals. Yep. Which means they have no marketing plan. Um, but let me, let me ask that question, because you do get to see the RIAs that are growing significantly through referrals. Have you seen any specific things that the best RIAs are doing to generate more referrals? I'd say there are three things. Um, and, but before I tell you, let me just commend you because I think that you know, having shows like this and doing seminars is one form of your firm's competitive advantage. Thank you. Uh, I, I, really, I really truly believe that because you know, it's actually being intentional about growth. You know, many advisors do rely on growing through referrals, and it may not be programmatic or systematic. So that's point number one. Are you programmatic and systematic about your referrals? Yep. Secondly, do you have an individual or individuals at your firm who can help with this outreach as well as the intake? You know, we, uh, we did this program. We still have it in effect called mystery shopping. Um, you know, many advisors, uh, you know, don't keep good metrics on win-loss for new clients. Uh, but we enacted a program called mystery shopping where a firm can actually um, hire a consultant to pose as a mystery shopper of the firm. Interesting. And it, it's a great chance to uh, sort of look yourself in the mirror. 
You know, we've had advisory firms say that we are full service, we're personalized in our service, but then when you call to, you know, to speak to someone, you get a, uh, a voice-recorded answering machine, and you have to hit a number prompt to get a call back. So you know, just thinking in checklist format how you look to a client or a prospect. Um, and then the third thing is, do you have a crisp, I don't want to say value proposition, because we all have value propositions, but a true unfair advantage that will help you with that referral, something that's really bespoke about your firm. It could be your education-based seminars. It could be the breadth of your offering. It could be the fact that you use technology and, and customized right. service. But you know, these are all things I know AE Wealth does. But um, you know, when I talk to firms, what is that unfair advantage? So much great stuff covered here. So grateful to you being here. Is there, you know, I always want to close, but is there anything I didn't ask you I should have asked you? Is there anything else you want to share? Well, I, David, you've, you've done a great job, so thank you. I, I guess what I'd say is I am so bullish about this profession, about this business, because I think that there's a bull market for advice. And the issue is Americans want advice. They just don't always know how to find it. So it's really our job to help vector them to uh, firms like yours. All right, so that's such a good way for us to close. But, of course, now I have one more question because of what you just said. So the average, I think the average RIA advisor is like 59 right now. I don't know, give or take a few years, right? Our, like, yeah, we, we have studies that say 56 or 57, but okay. close enough. So there's a big concern right now that, that we're not getting younger people into the business. Are you seeing that? And is there anything that, that Fidelity is doing to any advice Fidelity is giving to RIAs uh, to try to get the next generation into the business? Well, you know, I think they're, we're doing a lot, actually. So we have worked very closely with the CFP board, and we've helped uh, you know, their efforts to attract more professionals to become CFPs. We've also sponsored uh, their career center, which helps match CFP certificates with those who are looking to hire them. And we've also worked with some of the colleges and universities that have these programs. But there's more work to be done. Um, so I think we're all in it together. As a matter of fact, you may not know this, but I ran the Boston Marathon uh, this year. Nicely and the, done. And the charity that I supported was the CFP Board Center for Financial Planning. Wow. Trying to raise money to help get more diversity of, of CFPs. More women su- in the programs. Exactly. As well as supporting the academic homes uh, you know, that educate these CFPs. So you know, there's a lot more work to done, but I, you know, it's a cause, this next generation in the profession that's near and dear to me. Well, thank you for all you have done for the profession. Thanks for everything you're doing for A Wealth. Uh, look forward to seeing you again soon in Boston, I'm sure, and appreciate your time here today. Well, thank you, David. It's been awesome. a pleasure. That, you guys, was it. Bok Talk, um, great to be with you. Thanks for watching, and I'll see you again soon.